Welcome back to the Space Salvi Institute podcast. I'm Andrew Pettiprin talking as always to co-founder and director of the Space Salvi Institute, Bobby Mixa, coming to us from Poland. Bobby, how are you? I'm I'm, I'm doing well, Andrew. So uh, a cold day, rainy day in Krakow, but somehow the city still is beautiful. Our, our list, it's irrelevant to our listeners, but we'll tell them anyway that uh, we were a little late getting started today because you were you were rushing back, and I I was joking with my wife. I hope I hope my our Polish listeners will take this as in in uh, in good in good humor and in love. That my I was joking with uh, with my wife Amber that the 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 traffic was crowded with the babushkas rushing home to make their their borscht, and uh, <laughs> so you were you were a casualty of their culinary. Oh yeah, pursuits. you don't you don't want to get in the way of a babushka. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. And it sounds it, like it'd be a good night for some borscht with the with the weather. What it is? That's probably that. Yeah, that's that's a good explanation. I didn't think of that one, but uh, yeah, leave it to me. Leave it to me, Bobby. The weather it just started recently because with the cold weather, all the all the babushkas are forcing their way home. So. Well, just make sure that you, in the cold weather season, that you your calculations for the strength of the ice are accurate before you put on your ice skates. Uh, fans uh, of fans of a particular Polish film director will know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Did you just want to tell them what the movie is? Well, uh, you you should because you're the real expert on this. But uh, yeah, uh, Krzysztof Kieślowski, in his the first installment of his Decalogue series. There's this uh, very, very sad scenario about uh, a miscalculation. I don't know. Is it a miscalculation, Bobby, about about ice and and skates? I, I don't forget. think so. It's. I think. I think the computer is demonic. And just. Wants, ah, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think the computer just wants his. I won't give it away, but yeah. Just imagine it goes people back. Who it goes back to the calculation and yeah. puts it in. It can't be possibly. Cannot possibly be wrong. Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just leave it there and recommend that our that our listeners and viewers check out uh, the the work of Christoph Kishlowski. We may talk about him more because he's he's a major figure for both of us. Really, I think kind of a one of the major like artistic figures in our minds as we're thinking about our project here at the Space Salvi Institute. So more more about him another time, maybe. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well. Bobby, this is great. We've had a couple of great guests and we have more lined up. We're going to have a lot of really great interviews and conversations with outside people, with with friends and kind of co, you know, co-laborers as we encounter them in this great work that we're up to. But we also want to have a fair number of podcasts, regular ones where just the two of you, the two of us rather, get to discuss different different issues and I think early on in in our time here, uh, as uh, as we get this project off the ground, one of the things we want to do is kind of just keep coming back to the things like over and over again that are important to us in terms of eschatology, hope, European society, civilization, kind of these big question marks about Christianity and culture and stuff like that. And I think we have a good opportunity today. We we both were really struck by this article that came out a few days ago in um, the, on the website Unheard by um, uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali. Sorry, I had to read her name to be sure that I didn't say it wrong. Ayan Hirsi Ali, who is someone probably well known to a lot of people listening or watching us today. 
And uh, she, her story, maybe you can run down her story a little bit for us, but she wrote this, this really interesting article the other day called Why I Am Now a Christian. So I don't know, before we get into it, Bobby, do you know more than I do about who Ayan Hirsi Ali is? You know, I, like the particular details of her story, I'm not too familiar with, but, you know, I always was struck uh, by her um, account. She wrote a book, I think, called Infidel a number of years ago and also another one called Heretic. Um, and she hails from um, Kenya, I believe, and she grew up in a Muslim household. Uh, she eventually became involved with the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, but I believe, I don't know exactly when, but in her, I don't know if it was in her late teenage years or early adulthood life, she left, she left the Muslim Brotherhood and then eventually left Islam. She, I believe, moved to, I don't I think it was in the Netherlands. She moved to the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, eventually she had so many death threats against her life that she and her now husband, Neil Ferguson, maybe say more about him later, moved to the United States. And so I think she's based out in California now mm -hmm. and perhaps uh, the Hoover Institute in Stanford. Um, I, I believe her husband is is working there as well. Um, yeah. And she just wrote this, uh, I thought, you know, very insightful, but also um, a, an article that is relevant to some of the things that we're discussing. So I thought it would be a good, a good topic of discussion. But I, I used to bring her up every now and then when I was teaching um, in the high school. And so a lot of the... Um, and not to get too much into Islam here, but somebody who's pretty familiar with the way, um, um, like from the inside account of how mm -hmm. Muslims think. And she she necessarily didn't really buy a certain Western telling of Islam that I think we've become a little bit uh, too wishful. Uh, it was a little bit too much wishful thinking that perhaps uh, Islam uh, wasn't what she uh, said it was. So anyways, I would use her account sometimes uh, as coming from a, a former Muslim, but she left Islam and eventually became atheist. And so this article is somewhat why atheism just wasn't, wasn't enough. Uh, couldn't answer the fundamental existential questions, but more particularly, and this is what she's concerned about, it doesn't really inspire a civilization. It's a it's it's decadent, and it also it allows another to just take its place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, how can you base how can you base a culture on nothing? You know how I mean, you know, and 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 the thing that's that's really yeah. If we can just jump right into it, and maybe it's worth you've already pretty much said it, but I I honestly didn't realize. I, I guess I knew that she had you know she had come out of Islam. She had she had become an atheist, and she was actually an elected official in in the Netherlands, uh, and then um, kind of came to prominence after nine eleven, talking about Islam in the West, and then as you say, sort of eventually felt like she needed to leave Europe because it wasn't very safe for her there anymore, and which is one pretty important factoid, don't you think? Oh yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And so she ended up in the United States. Now, I did not realize until I read this article that she was real tight with um, Christopher Hitchens and uh, Richard Dawkins and kind of that she was really one of the in crowd of the New Atheists gang. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something maybe even just worth noting in passing before we get into the larger cultural stuff is just how dead all of that stuff is. And we've, we've, I think we've said that even on in our in our brief foray into podcasting, like just how over all of that new atheism nonsense is at this point, right? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's really sad that that even got started in the first yeah. place. I mean, it was just like I remember I saw an article by David Bentley Hart that said, "Oh, here's about the latest book uh, by Richard Dawkins," and he's like, "Oh, here's Dawkins playing in the sandbox again." Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when that stuff came out and I, I took a, somebody's like, Oh, you got to take a look at this God delusion book. Um, and I mean, I was only an undergrad, but by that time I felt like this guy has no, I mean, these are just cheap shots. This is, mm-hmm. this is nobody's should take this seriously, but yet it took off. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I would have been friends with Christopher Hitchens though. I always, in fact, I actually sure. met him. I met him at Notre Dame. And, oh wow! Uh, he this was right after his uh, debate with uh, Dinesh D'Souza, and it was like totally, I mean, kind of an act. Um, uh-huh. But he totally, uh, I mean, could like uh, in any debate, I would never want to go up against Christopher Hitchens. No. Uh, but the lady I was with, she, uh, her, her brother was actually uh, like a pen pal with Christopher Hitchens, and mm-hmm. he got us the tickets. Um, and so she went up to Christopher Hitchens and everybody was like, uh, every, the whole room was cleared. And so it was just us and Christopher Hitchens. And I was surprised how much of a gentleman he was. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And also he just felt like she mentions how much fun they were. She probably mm-hmm. was talking about Christopher Hitchens. I can't imagine Richard Dawkins being much fun, but, no. uh, but anyways, so um you you mean yeah, Ali talks oh, about oh, in her that. piece? She talks about how much fun they were. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, yeah. She's yeah. talking exclusively about Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, it's got to be right? wild parties, and yeah, you know, even Ross Douthat used to go to those parties, and he said he was always this close to being. Yeah. I felt like there he eventually would become a Christian. Um, yeah. But I wonder. Of course, of course, his brother um, Peter Hitchens is a Christian, and he's he's another just. You know, uh, some uh, just one of the one of the really interesting figures, I think, in kind of modern Western intellectual life. I, I think he's just just terrific. Oh yeah. Um, well, let's get into let's get into Ali's article a little bit. So, as you've already said, um, she spends the first bit of the article talking about how she grew up in Kenya, her uh, her community. She even said she she puts it like, yeah, she says that the Muslim Brotherhood penetrated my community in Nairobi, Kenya, which is an interesting way to put it. Um, and that she got involved in that. She she points out some just very matter-of-fact things, um, that uh, hatred of Jews was kind of at the center of their, of their culture. Um, she talks about how, you know, she came to view the world as pure chaos and decadence on the one hand or ordered according to god uh thanks to islam on the other side right and there was really no there was there was no other option yeah and so when she leaves islam she in a sense like isn't she isn't interested in the chaos but she also just 
isn't interested in God. And, and, and in her mind, religion is, is the kind of thing that is, is sort of incompatible with the sort of, uh, I don't know, ordered liberty, maybe like sort of liberal, you know, liberal in the kind of general sense of the word, liberal um, ideals that she came to value coming out of the community that she was in. Um, but, and maybe you want to take it from here, but she, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, she's married to Neil Ferguson, who's an, uh, I don't know, what, what do we call him? An economist, an historian, something like uh -huh. that. I don't know, maybe one of those kind of big ideas, big narrative historians. I mean, yeah, he's written on the history of money and a number of other topics, but like now he's got like, we're in the second Cold War. And so yeah. he's kind of with his history, always trying to give us kind of a projection of where things are headed. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyways, I <laughs> I just saw a video with him uh, talking about the second cold war and uh, mm. where we are. Um, but I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't read any of his books, but yeah. seen the titles and they're just a ton of different things. But yeah, I think like a historian maybe of, of, of the economy of, of, um, of money. Yeah. And he's a real, I, you know, I remember watching when I lived in England actually, and by the way, not to like, I don't know brag or whatever but he's an alumnus of Magdalen College Oxford which is was my college at Oxford so that's I always love those connections but anyway when I was in England I watched his documentary series that he made called Empire which um I don't think has been like widely remembered since then probably because people aren't too keen on on being positive about the British Empire which he very much was in that in that uh, series but I bring that up because I would say he's certainly a proponent of the of the the treasures of western civilization right yeah. um i don't remember him really talking that openly about being a christian and and now we need maybe not go too far down the road of talking about him since obviously he and his wife are not the same not the same person but yeah. it is i don't know an interesting connection that you know that they're they they live under the same roof and they are both i think very interested in these questions of the uh, of the west right and she in her piece here tells us that despite the fact that she was, you know, she was very much in favor of the good things of the West, uh, but an atheist, but then eventually some, some issues arose for her that made her come to believe that Christianity was indispensable and was essential, was sort of part of the foundation of the West that couldn't just be jettisoned. So I don't know, do you want to talk about some of those, like what, what these issues are that she, um, I think she talks about the kind of the the rise of um, authoritarianism and she yeah. specifically mentions the Chinese and the Russians yes. but she first no notes the Chinese global Islamism and mm -hmm. then woke ideology those three things she says those three things really opened her eyes to the fact that you can't have in a sense like a liberal society without Christianity what do you make of that yeah um so I mean then following up when she lists all those things that you just listed, uh, she says the response that God is dead seems ins insufficient. So too, does the attempt to find solace in the rules-based liberal international order. The only credible answer I believe lies in our desire to uphold the legacy of the Judeo-Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she goes on to, you know, cite Tom Holland and his 
book uh, Dominion. Um, and so the thing that's interesting is like she upholds then all these secular uh, ideals, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, you know, f- freedom of the press, free market, free con- the conscience and all that. And so it's, it's interesting too, because there's, and you mentioned this before, Andrew, too, where there's kind of almost like contrasting like Islam with its kind of dogmatic uh, position with Christianity, perhaps what was the exact, uh, the phrase that is used almost in some ways uh, having it yeah undug what what is it what's the exact well she says she says unlike islam christianity outgrew its dogmatic stage um which i wonder if we could pause like sort of bracket that for one second because i really i really think that's an essential thing that we need to that we need to kind of critique a little bit about what she's saying Mm -hmm. but i think that it's better first if we lay out a few more things that maybe are positive about what she's doing yeah because yeah. i think then it makes then it makes sense to really to really tackle that that little problem that i think is it, it, i mean i i'm wondering where she's headed ultimately with some of these ideas that she's working through because i think bobby you and i i also want to address that tom holland thing for one second but first i think let's let's just name this you and i believe i think that cultural christianity is a good thing right yeah 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 and i mean i yeah go ahead no 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 i i i think that you know like you you don't necessarily want to have it being treated as merely a private thing but to have right. institutions and others that that more or less support this while also being tolerant of other religions but yet is going to uphold this as as the, um, in a way, it's going to promote the culture of Christianity and see itself as indebted to that. Um, so when when it when you have talk about freedom, conscience, um, it's going to find its roots there, mm-hmm. uh, and not necessarily seeing itself as as cut off from that. Um, yeah, and you have things that are promoted in the culture, like pilgrimages, when you have national feast days that have something to do with. Uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, um, supporting that as much as possible gives people direction in life. I mean, mm-hmm. all the institutions that we, we pretty much have, like hospitals and various other inst- while while I know you can make a, a, an argument why they also may find them, their, their origins perhaps in something like Islam, but um, it's, it's, it's interesting um, that yeah, I mean, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think an important thing that we both believe is that there's no there's no neutral there's no neutrality there's no such thing as like a re- like a religiously neutral country. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's it is one thing as for example Pierre Manon talks about. It is one thing to say, okay, you can be. I mean, he believes, and I find it pretty convincing, actually. He believes like it is actually possible to be a so-called secular country, but you have to be a Christian secular country. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his big concern about France is that somewhere after World War II, France transitioned from being a secular Catholic country to being a secular anti-Catholic country, basically. Right. Or you know, and and. I find that pretty convincing. I think in the United States, it's similar. We're not, we've obviously never been a Catholic country. Protestantism has certainly always been kind of the dominant 
the dominant force to such a degree that actually we find, we've talked about this before, that Catholicism has tended to Protestantize in the United States, right? Yeah. Um, in certain respects. Uh, maybe elsewhere in the world too, but definitely in the United States. Um, but it was not at all inaccurate. And, and it wasn't, you know, people maybe used to split hairs about, what, you know, separation of church and state and stuff like that a little bit. But I mean, I, I would definitely say like until pretty recently, there weren't very many people in America who would object to being who would object if somebody said America is a Christian country, right? Yeah. Of course, there are lots of Jewish people. There are people of other religions, stuff like that too. But it's like, it is to say, we have these dominant, what my aunt calls marks, these marks upon us as a people that we're deluding ourselves if we think the marks aren't going to be there in one in one form or another. And it just so happens that we have this long legacy of these Christian marks now, you and I both believe that in some respects, even though Europe is even further down in some people's eyes, down the path to post-Christianity than America is, the marks are kind of stronger in Europe than they are in the United States to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, but also kind of picking up what you said with Pierre Manet's um, understanding of, of a kind of a good secularism, if you want to put it that way, that uh, I believe Pope Benedict used to talk the same, almost very similarly you know, so it's not like, you know, against the secularism, um, it's against the secularism, but it's not, it's for secularity. So understanding, I mean, the, in this developing, she and um, uh, Hersi Ali notices this, we're uh, developing a understanding of politics and religion as as being, I think there's too much of a stress on perhaps the, the separation, but nevertheless, there is there is a separation um but yeah. the unity is it also has to be um you know noticed as well yeah and i mean i i'm pretty comfortable with that i have to say i know that you know we we have kind of staked our claim at the space alby institute that we are we're very interested in theology philosophy uh we are very interested in the arts uh we're very interested in you know films and novels and and uh and all of that sort of thing we are also very interested in political philosophy political you know political theory but we are maybe i'll just speak for myself but i mean i i am open to i'm still i have to admit still kind of a work in progress with regard to what you know wh where we are with all of that we seem to be having this kind of post-liberal moment uh but then on the other hand you know, I read somebody like Manon or Scruton and and I think, well, you know, maybe liberalism isn't all isn't all garbage and and you know that kind of thing. So I, I would imagine that people reading this article, this Ali article, would 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 probably identify that she thinks liberalism is probably okay and not, you know, not to be kind of totally put on the on the scrap heap just yet. Um yeah. so but there may be people who read what she says. And and think maybe, especially because she hasn't yet identified herself as a Catholic or like, you know, she hasn't identified in a sense like exactly how she intends to pursue being a Christian, um, that there may be people who read the article and kind of go, well, ah, I'm really encouraged by this, but also a little worried because there's a slippery slope down the direction of like, okay, so Christianity's good in a liberal society, but like, what do you do with it from there? Like, what do you do with this personal faith that, you know, that that you've decided to embrace? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Bobby. I'm a little bit scattered. Yeah, no, um, the same thing. I mean, that popped up when I was reading this too, a little bit of that 
kind of concern. And, you know, when you look at, I've always briefly taken a look at Tom Holland's book, Dominion, and she cites it because it precisely seems to kind of do a lot of that where it's like, yeah, what do you do with it after it, it kind of supports the civilization that you want? Um, so does that mean that you're, I mean, do you, do you fully part, are you partaking in the mass? Do you believe that Christ? You know, the Paschal mystery is like the, an incarnation or the center of the whole thing. So what do you what do you do with that? Is it just because of um, what that does for for society in terms of like the dignity of the human being and all that other stuff? But once once you have all that, can you can you chuck the other so-called dogmatic stuff? That's that is maybe I'm rushing a little bit too far ahead right now. But no, I think that's a the little right bit of a, go now. a concern that. I I definitely had while being totally sympathetic. Not I'm not going to be one of those people who are going to be like, okay, this is just I'm going to throw this article out the window. Uh, no, want to definitely. This is this is really really good news, and want to mm -hmm. support um, you know anybody who's in a similar situation as much as possible. We're always kind of learning something new. She says I'm I'm continuing to learn much more about Christianity, and I I hope that is the case, but. I, you know, go, please go on. Just don't stop right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I, I think we, we, we expect that she will, and that we'll hear more about what, what the journey looks like that she, that she is on. And so I would say like, you know, our, our, my, my, my overwhelming uh, sentiment reading her article is one of rejoicing that, you know, someone, someone has, has, someone is publicly proclaiming um, identity as a Christian we that that's that is always something to be excited about, and I think like you know maybe maybe um, we can transition to the critiques a little bit more in a second. But I also think that it is it is not insignificant that a person like Ali is uh, is claiming to be a Christian. Um, what I mean is this: that in as much as we as I guess, you know, Western men are concerned about our patrimony and want to kind of, you know, cherish the culture that we have, that has been handed down to us, which is intertwined with our faith. People from outside that culture, I mean, this woman is from Africa, right? Um, but she, she wants to belong to that, to that culture and that civilization. And what we say is, excellent, please do. And when you do, help reinvigorate it like tell yeah. t talk to the culture that you that you are coming to participate in and remind us of the of the riches and the treasures of the culture that we you know that we take for granted right yeah no i, I it it's always surprising to see people uh pretty who who in, in a way are like allowing you to speak um to give a lecture and why the West is evil in Western countries, mm -hmm. or even just give a lecture, like she mentions Bertrand Russell, I mean, saying why I am not a Christian, <laughs> delivering that in a Christian country, like that would never, never take place or be allowed to take place in, in a Muslim country, as she, right. she notes in, in her article. So things like that, I mean, we should be incredibly proud. And there's, and people and not to kind of beat ourselves up all the time. And so it, she does mention the woke ideology, but perhaps there is something to learn from like the, the I don't know, perhaps the sins of the past of 
you know, colonization and other things, but there are many good things that many people from those, those countries that have decolonized uh, will rightly recognize coming from the West. And perhaps maybe it lines up with like a tradition that they've had, um, you know, within their own culture for a long time, but yet they see that as like, as, 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 as complementary. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I, um, I think also about the the example of Cardinal Robert Seurat and uh, the way that at the end of Ross Douthat's book about decadence, he he sort of holds Seurat up as a as a figure who has this power to re inspire the Christian West. You know, he's he's a man going you know, all around. Uh, my my parents were in Croatia and they're at this uh, Corpus Christi procession. And there was Sarah, uh, wow. taking and like, yeah, he's giving lectures all around. Sorry, that's amazing. You. No, that's all I wanted to say. And but I think that you know that uh, Ali is is potentially one of those one of those figures as well. And it'll be interesting to see how she continues to talk about her faith in, in relation to these questions upon which she's a real expert. I mean, these questions of sort of culture, Islam, civilization, like all these things that she's sort of become famous for. You know, she um, she doesn't give us a testimony per se, right? She, uh, But I, I noticed somebody, I forget who it was, somebody on Twitter uh, sort of just inferred that there must be, that there, there has to be some kind of like conversion experience that has already happened to her that she just kind of isn't isn't talking about in in explicit terms yet because my goodness i mean you don't just you don't just come out and write an article and send it out to the world and say i'm a christian based on a calculation uh you know of civil of you know what would be best for society right i mean it is it is you know you just you can't you can't do that without god's grace you can't um so we have to believe that she's had something like that, and she does actually say there's one little one little hint in her article where I think, I think that there is a, a bigger story to tell. Um, she said something. Oh yes, she says I have also turned to Christianity because I ultimately found life without any spiritual solace unendurable. And you know, you just kind of wonder what was what was that moment or that collection of moments? Like what were the things that were building up in her life that suddenly the scales fell from her eyes and she desired to believe um you know i mean i have a million questions has she been baptized is she you know in it what kind of where does she go to church what's going on in her family life you know there's i have a lot of questions but you know what they're not it's none of my business i suppose yet so i don't know any any thoughts about that like the kind of this wider question of conversion no i mean i don't know how many how many people though probably have that that um it's almost like in some ways, uh, like I remember somebody telling me their story, how Woody Allen's movies somewhat prepared the way for their mm-hmm. eventual conversion, because it was uh, um, actually the existential and the nihilism, just feeling that, you know, mm-hmm. like there there has to be, is this just it? Um, yeah. And like, um, I'm trying to think of a line from a Woody Allen movie. I just can't, but um 
it, but it was just always interesting. The person who told me that, I, I'm not going to mention his name because he might he might be embarrassed, but he's he's become one of the most renowned theologians in the Catholic Church in America right now. And in fact, mm-hmm. um, he still watches a ton of Woody Allen movies and just finds them entirely insightful on kind of where we are civilizationally. But um, there's that humor. You can only you can only laugh so long with the nihilism but there there has to be ultimately some kind of some kind of comedy uh true comedy at the end so yeah uh, i just thought i thought that was a interesting trajectory so i don't know oftentimes i find myself too when i get into that mood and and perhaps think that this is just it it ends up sometimes um helping me like Mm -hmm. rediscover uh the i don't know the power of the gospel uh mm-hmm. so yeah i i that's that's well said you know yeah one of the woody allen movies that stands out in my mind on this and we've talked about this before is hannah and her sisters mm-hmm. um which has just this really really incredible ending where woody is woody's character is contemplating suicide and attempts it but it's this sort of hilarious I mean, you know, I hate to put it that way, but this sort of hilarious failed attempt to kill himself. And now he doesn't become a Christian at the end, but I, I don't, I think it's very possible that somebody watching that movie who isn't a Christian would get to the end of that movie and feel like, okay, Woody, Woody has decided to kind of stay in Aporia, I guess. But I, I don't think that's going to work for me. I think, I think I really do need to find, find the the wellspring. I need to find the meaning. And I think that that's that's what comes through pretty strongly in Ali's article, even though, as I said, we don't get kind of a moving personal testimony, at least not yet. But, you know, she mentions these three things, the the um, kind of the worry about authoritarianism, um, Islamism, and, um, and wokeism. And I do think that these phenomena, especially over the last few years, I, I like to back it up to around around the year 2015, maybe. I mean, you could go all the way back to 9-11 or even, you know, I don't know wh- which marker you want to you wanna touch. But 2015 was really was a really startling year because that was the year of the Charlie Hebdo massacre in France. And so that was the that was the um, that was the impulse that led Pierre Manon to write his great book Beyond Rec- Radical Secularism, which I do think probably is a book that Ali knows and is drawing from. Um, it was the same year. It was it was the same year that uh, Michel Welbeck published his novel Submission, which yeah. is this you know very startling story about about Islamism. Uh, and for those who haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. But I mean, this is the story of this this French literary scholar who's just basically exhausted with his vices, you know, who doesn't have any interesting thoughts anymore. And he lives in a country that, because of the way the real French electoral system works, the a, a kind of radical Islamist becomes president of France and, and takes over. And in order for this literary scholar to maintain his position in society, he is offered the opportunity to basically offer a, like just a perfunctory conversion to Islam. He doesn't really have to do much besides that. And then he's assigned two wives that he can do with whatever he wants and he can make lots of money and just float on until he, until he reaches his grave. And I just think that is so, you know, just so, so telling 
and maybe you want to say something like that, but a couple more really quick things about this this time marker that I'm that I'm posting. Um, you know, and then obviously like we've had we've what? had go ahead. No, no, I go on. Well, I mean, we've had all these other things too. We've had we had gay marriage legalized in the United States. We had um, you know, and then the last few years have been just so so crazy with like Black Lives Matter and then COVID and you know, all this sort of wokeism stuff. And we don't need to go down, go down all of that. But the reason I bring all of this up is it really occurs to me that, you know, somewhere in John Henry Newman, there's this sort of like prophecy, I guess, of sorts that the world will either be, either be, it, it's either sort of Christianity or nothing. Yeah. And I do think that there are people who are kind of coming to that realization. Um, and, you know, it, it's like, um, like the games are over. Like the game, the game, the intellectual game of the truth claims of Christianity seem to be kind of over. I don't know if you agree with me. Well, I you said Christ or nothing. That's the exact title of one of to mention David Bentley Hart again. Um, his articles, I think, very insightful article because like atheism just isn't enough. Uh, to civilizationally mo motivate people, but also people like we've seen this with the new emergence of interest in not only the new age, but in in magic and many other kind of pagan um, uh, pagan like mystery cults. Um, but at the same time, he calls them kind of like boutique phenomenon. I mean, nobody really takes it at the end of the day. He believes, at least, mm -hmm. nobody takes this seriously right and so he his claim is that okay so to try these claims to like resurrect paganism or some kind it's just it's 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 uh it's silly uh christianity fundamentally changed the landscape there's no going back and so yes it's christ or nothing um that's the option <laughs> and yeah. so anyways it's interesting to see the trajectory too of uh Ali's life as well. I mean, it'll be interesting. I remember, I think it's a, it's the the back of uh, the 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 um, comments on the back of one of Remy Bragg to mention another Frenchman, Remy Bragg's book called The Law of God. Uh, Jean Luc Marion says um, something along the lines about something about the book, but then he says, you know, in the future. Uh, it's pretty much going to be once we get past this this secular age, so called. It's going to just be again Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Mm -hmm. and so he basically, it's always it always kind of stuck with me because I read that back in like 2010, um, that book, and that was still at the time when you had like the new atheists seemingly were dominating the scenes, but the scene, but. It just seemed like, like once you said the intellectual, would you call it the intellectual game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just seems like once we get beyond that, this kind of reactionary um, stance uh, and kind of understand, purify ourselves of all these like faulty concepts, and perhaps the church has to learn from a lot of this. And um, anyways, it just seems like you, can, you just come back to Christianity again because. I mean, ultimately, how can you get beyond God is love? It just seems to me like at, at, at the end of the day, that's what the whole thing rests upon. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, what is the Chesterton quote about, you know, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting, but hasn't been tried or something like that? Yeah, I think uh, that. Hasn't, it's something, something along those lines. But I, I think that's sort of where a lot of people are finding themselves now. And I know I feel this way, you know, coming into the Catholic Church from a you know, lifelong Christian, but but really contemplating the truth claims of the Catholic Church, which are, of course, just the truth claims of Christianity, um, a description of reality rather than a rule book, as you and I have talked about many times, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't just, uh, you know, Catholicism isn't the best religion because it has the most rules. It, it it does have a lot of rules or seems to have a lot of rules because it describes the whole of reality, right? Yeah. Um, but those claims are so profound that, um, what was it, uh, you 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 uh, you've recently been been listening to or reading this book about uh, called the Enchantment of Mammon. I think is that right? Yeah. Um, and Eugene isn't there a thing? McCrary. Yeah. Who is it? Eugene McCrary. Okay. Yeah. Here, I, so the, I started listening to the beginning. It's like a huge book back there. It's. I mean, the book is basically the size of my house, so you can't. Yeah, it's a huge it's, book. It's huge. I'm going to yeah. leave it to you to read it and tell me what it's about. But I did, I, I downloaded it on Hoopla and listened to the introduction the other day on your recommendation. It's something that he talks about that I've heard from other people as well in different forms. But he talks about that it's not so much that we live in a disenchanted world, but a misenchanted world. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And also the kind of transmigration of the holy uh, yeah. is something William Kavanaugh also talks about, yeah. you know, in mm-hmm. terms of the state. But I think. I think Eugene McCrary's analysis is just spot on. Um, Because, I mean, the book at least illumines a lot of things for me, the way we think about, even the way I think about my own value and identity. uh, Mm -hmm. But like, what what do we worship? Uh, So the book, kind of from a sociological point of view, just is extremely insightful. And it's kind of a corrective to like Charles Taylor's book mm-hmm. and all these other claims about, yeah, like you said, disenchantment. No, no, no. We never, we never escape. <laughs> yeah. We're not buffered. There's no buffered self actually. We're, we're very, <laughs> yeah. very porous selves. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why it's interesting that, that um, Ayan Hirsi Ali at the end of the piece describes herself as a lapsed atheist, right? Because I mean, even atheism is a kind of misenchantment, right? I mean, it is not, there's no neutrality again there's no un, there's no not religious right i mean that's like one of the jokes right that like people identify as not religious well um you are sorry you, we all are and so but when you finally like stare christ in the face or he stares you in the face and you sort of receive the grace to consider to consider the kingdom of heaven then all of the competing religions including atheism just seem preposterous you know and and um i it's easy it's easy to sort of almost kind of self-medicate or you know intellectually justify or do whatever you know there are all these different strategies to avoid facing this question but i think like as the world begins to kind of feel more apocalyptic as it were it will be harder and harder to avoid facing that question and i think that's where ali is with her piece here i don't know if if, if you agree with me on that well, kind of to bring it back to the the Decalogue with Kishlowski, the mm-hmm. very end of that movie, when the very like the, I mean, in some ways, when the ice breaks and the thing that he values, the the father values most, is is his entire world. Um, and at the very end, he's staring also because he's kind of made the computer into something like an idol. 
Uh, mm. he's, he's talking to it. It, 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 mm-hmm. it takes on the role of something like a, like a God uh, for him. But after the whole, uh, the very last scene in the movie, I, I always, uh, people should know by now, I tend to cry a lot in movies, especially like European movies that move. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, but the very end of the movie, there's this new church that's being built in Warsaw. And, you know, Kachlowski has it where it's just all these witnesses. It's dark. The candles are all lit. And he's, he's it's a cold night. And he's walking in. But there's all these witnesses just standing outside looking at him. And he's a man of, like, no faith, uh, even though um, his sister is a believer. Um, and the son always has these questions like, okay, about death that he gives like these kind of like mechanical answers to then he's not really at, he's not really answering the question like what what does it mean to die other than giving mm-hmm. the response like well your heart stops or and so and so he ends up come to the he, he he rushes then into the empty church um and he ends up out of rage giving away the movie <laughs> but no out go of ahead rage, he 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 pushes down the altar, the altar, yeah. and uh, then these candles drop, and there's this huge icon of of Our Lady of Chestahova, and you see, you see that the the actual candle wax starts to drip on her face, forming something like tears. Mm. She's partaking in the suffering that he is in and at the very end he takes this kind of frozen the ice okay it's like the the hole is the met the ice that broke and, and the sun is gonna he takes the, the the frozen ice from uh what do you call that in the church um uh from the, from the baptismal font actually yeah yeah and then he 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 basically he just puts the ice the and it starts he just puts it on his forehead and the movie, the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But but it's just interesting because like the trajectory of of that figure who is so fascinated by kind of this new technical civilization. In fact, that's his enchantment. Um, mm-hmm. Answers everything, and his, he's trying to get he's trying to like induct his son into that as well. Like oh look at well, all these wonders that mathematics can do and science, and they call it they all partake in like you know, the fun of calling up about what the weather report right, right. is going that. to be. Because yeah. you can actually like project in the future, like, you know, some kind of Oracle and uh, it ends up the whole time though. There's this, like, there's one scene where there's like an elephant literally in the room, like a little stuffed mm-hmm. animal, but at the same time, the, this ice skates are just dangling over the sun um yeah. it's like these things that never are addressed that he just based on his his whole philosophy he can't he can't address it just is insufficient for mm-hmm. the questions that his son is innocently asking him yeah and likewise a goal in life of avoiding suffering right a kind of like yeah. uh uh a kind of epicureanism that uh that seems to be kind of the default the default philosophy and when you inevitably run into suffering, you you stand at a crossroads. It's, you know, well, I'm facing something that the world now says is the worst possible, like the, the thing that must be avoided at all cost. Um, do I do I learn from it? Do I mean, is this is this a challenge to me? Uh, or do I, like I said before, self-medicate, deny, 
whatever it may be. And I think, you know, more and more people are standing at a crossroads in, you know, facing difficulties in their personal lives. I mean, that, that, that stuff in that movie, I mean, the idea of losing a child is just so horrific. Right. Um, and that's why it's so powerful in that movie, like for a man to kind of face the ultimate questions with suffering that kind of tragedy. But anyway, I digress. I, I, I think maybe on that note, we can wrap up and just say, you know, um, uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali concludes her piece saying, I still have a great deal to learn about Christianity. And, you know, that's just a wonderful, humble posture for a neophyte. But I, I would say, Bobby, you and I stand in that same humility. Um, we we believe very, very strongly in the the uh, truth claims that the church articulates, but we, we are pilgrims too. I, I think you would agree. Yep. Absolutely. I hope. I hope so too. We live in hope. And that's what that's what this this project is about, the Space Alvi Institute. So we thank you so much for listening to us or watching us today. If you liked what you heard, please do give us a glowing review, subscribe to the podcast, tell people about us, and please go to our web, website, spacealviinstitute.com to sign up for emails so you don't miss any of our new content. Until next time, God bless and live in hope.